this is a really quick tip to know if anyone's spending too much. If you cannot, if I tell you, take 20% of your earnings right now. So 20% of what your profit is at the end of the month, and I want you to invest it. And if your thought right now is, oh my gosh, I could never do that. I couldn't invest 20%. I have this, this, and this. That is the number one indicator that you're spending too much. You're overspending. Because if you're not paying yourself and building wealth first, you didn't create a business. You created a job that you need to work at for the rest of your life. Hey everyone, I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Organized Chaos. On every normal episode, you hear me talk about building your playbook. Well, we actually have an event every year called Playbook over at Trainual, and this session is a clip from Playbook 2022. That's our annual event at Trainual, and it features some of the top business leaders in the world. So we've reformatted these sessions for the podcast so that you can enjoy them wherever you are, totally free. This session is hosted by Joe Corsione. He's our partner manager over at Trainual. What is up, Playbook 2022? It is so great to see you all here. My name is Joe Corsione, and I'm the partner manager here at Trainual. If you're in your process, if you're in the process people community here, you probably know who I am. But if not, it is so great to meet you in here. Thank you all for the super kind comments before in the chat. That was incredible. If you're ready for another amazing session, drop a yes in the chat because this is such a special session. We are talking about how to level up your business with two amazing consultants who have been consulting businesses in their own work and all around the world. So, so excited to have them on today. We're going to give you two, yep, not one, two consultants that are going to be talking on different subjects, but both very, very special and useful for your own business. So first of all, we're going to start with the amazing Candy Valentino. So to give you a little bit about background on Candy, she started her business at 19 years old with no degree, no corporate background, no money, and mind you, no internet crazy. She successfully started, scaled, and sold businesses in service, retail, e-commerce, product manufacturing, in addition to creating a vast real estate portfolio as a flipper and investor. And if you've seen some of our content on TikTok, I mean, it is amazing. Leveraging her 24 years of experience, Candy created Founders Organization, which supports entrepreneurs in the pursuit of growth, scale, and profit in their business. And that's exactly what we are talking about with her today. And very lastly, she's releasing her first book, Wealth Habits, Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom in November. Wow, that's amazing. And so we are bringing her on today. Candy, I see you're here today. Candy, thank you so much for coming on and welcome to Playbook 2022. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, those were a lot of words to describe a very long journey in business. So, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And as I was like doing some research on you and just looking at your background, I'm just so impressed by all of the experience that you've had. And first of all, congratulations on the book as well. It's so great to see you like taking all this experience and packaging into that book. And I think it comes at a very timely you know, moment for small businesses, right? There's that dirty R word floating around, right? Recession. And a lot of small businesses are concerned about it. And basically anyone in business has that on top of their minds. So I'm curious, like, did that kind of come into mind with releasing this book? And given your years of experience in business and you've experienced several different recessions throughout the time, what's kind of been your experience in learning what your businesses did successfully in those recessions? to help our businesses today kind of navigate the shifting tides that we're seeing today. 
Yeah, great question. And so, you know, I started my first company in 1999. And so I was through when 9-11 attacks happened and nobody knew what was going on in the world. And, you know, there was all that uncertainty. And um, then again, in 2008, when the whole housing recession happened, I was already flipping real estate and I had my own business then. So we've seen a lot of that. And I think the interesting thing to remember is there's no economic downturn that ever looks the same. And there are always seasons just like in business than there are in the economy. So the most important thing for people to remember is that there is nothing that happens in the country's economy that will ever be more important than what's going on in your own personal economy. So that's really the difference. It's like, okay, what is going on, but how does this affect me? And oftentimes we hear these news cycles, they're, they're all using clickbait and, and way, ways to fear. But if you look at everything that always goes on in any cyclical market, there's always opportunity. So how you look at this is really going to be key because there is going to be opportunity in any type of economic downturn. In business specifically, what we have to do is really focus on profitability. What is our profitability? Because, right, we need sales to build a business, but you need profits in order to sustain a business. And oftentimes, this is the last core fundamentals that entrepreneurs learn because we tend to ignore what's scary. But if we can make learning our numbers, really diving into our profitability, knowing where we can cut costs, because business at its core is either you increase sales or you decrease expenses. Like we put a lot of emotions into it as entrepreneurs, but really business is simple in that regard. So what I think business owners can do right now is getting a handle on their numbers if it's not something that they've been doing in the past. And what does that look like? Making sure that, again, so if, if any of you in your audience are new to me, I'm super tactical <laughs> and action focused. So I apologize in advance if I'm like throwing things at you, but I want you to be able to know what to do because ideas don't build multi-million dollar businesses. It's the implementation and execution of those ideas that do. And ideas are really easy. They're cheap. We see, see them all day long on the internet, but the execution of them, that's what really makes the difference. So what does that mean? Get a hold of your numbers and concept it's, that's so fluffy. But what that actually means is what I call the state of the union meeting. Take two hours, set an appointment with yourself and be just as committed to that appointment. If you had an appointment with a meeting with a new client and you go to a fun play, I don't, you don't have to make it heavy. You don't have to make it like, you know, dread it. I go to a resort or a coffee shop or my favorite place with a view and I take my P&Ls my balance statement and my cash flow statement. And you print those from your bookkeeper or whoever, and you make sure to review those against your bank reconciliations and get to know what your numbers are. If you have a POS system or a CRM, making sure that you're getting all of that information as well so that you can start to really look and identify all of the numbers inside of your business. That's one thing that you can be doing right now inside of your business. And two is in that state of the union meeting, look at your expenses. Like, are you spending where you don't need to? Because what you do in the good times is what's going to get you to persevere through the bad times. So making sure that you take the time to really understand your business inside and out and the numbers, because that's where the core data, data is of how your business is actively doing. I absolutely love that, Candy, and no need to apologize about being tactical and actionable because I know that's what a lot of our audience here and personally, I do love as well. So this is like totally perfect. And I absolutely love all the tips in there, right? Knowing the key financials of your business, I feel like is something that seems obvious, but maybe not be, you know, in application. I remember when I used to work in a small business and, you know, we were growing like crazy, but we didn't have like anything on the books. And we realized we're like, oh my gosh, we are burning cash right now. Like this is crazy. And just that documentation kind of brings it to light. Now, 
if like someone does have documentation and like they do see, you know, maybe their industry is shifting or maybe there's like a macroeconomic thing, are there anything that you would suggest for business owners to kind of do in terms of like pivoting to like a specific tactic or maybe like bringing up discussions in that state of the union meeting? I guess like what does that actionable kind of like look like when there is rising shifts in competition, economy or, or so on and so forth? Yeah, so there's there's certain key industries that do really well and sustain really well, and there's a lot of stats around that. Um, I actually go into depth in that, and one of the chapters of my book is how to recession-proof your life. And so in business in general, it really depends on what business that you're in. If you are in a luxury goods type of industry, and you're somewhere in not the super, super ultra-wealthy, right, because that that demographic actually does really well in recessions because they have done the work. They've set themselves up to really go all in in economic downturns. But if you're in maybe a business that you think, you know what, I'm, I'm afraid that because of this, you know, maybe I'm more of a luxury or an optional type of business. What types of services or products can you create that maybe align with the customers that you already have? It's really difficult. I could tell you, you know, what are recession-proof businesses? You know, ones that have a simple business model, ones that don't need a lot of ingenuity, but you can just market them better than anybody else. But not everybody listening to this today wants to go shift. And that takes a lot of capital and a lot of risk. But what you can do inside of your business is look at where who your customers are where are they living? Are they on TikTok? Are they direct mail? Are they, you know, where exactly are you going to meet those customers? And what are other needs that they may have? Because there's only four way to grow your revenue in any type of time. And that's to add a new customer, get an existing customer to buy from you more frequently, which will always cost way less than acquiring a new customer, how to get them to increase their average card or average ticket, depending if you're online or if you're service or you raise your prices. So looking at the ancillary cross-selling and upselling different products, what can you offer your existing customers that are already plugged in? They already know, like, and trust you, but maybe is a direction of what's shifting right now in the economic downturn. That's what we did. We saw really quickly in 20. 2001, we saw really quickly that like, okay, these luxury items in the spa that we had wasn't necessarily going as well as they were in the first two years. So we shifted and we created another product line that was a little less expensive to meet people where they are so that they didn't jump ship and buy from someone else. Because as you know, right, retention is where it's at. So if you lose a customer because of a pricing issue or customer service issue and they go somewhere else, it's a lot harder to get them back. So I would be looking at right now is, is there another product or an ancillary revenue stream that I can develop in order to engage my customers that I already have to get them to buy something else? And then always, you know, in the research I did for the book, a lot of people throw this statistic around that the average millionaire has seven income streams. And it's actually untrue. We did one of the largest studies of millionaires that's ever been done as far as wealth goes, and it's four. But that's still probably more than what business that somebody is already in. So the way that you can do that easily is if you're in a specific sector of the market, what business or investments can you have that's in a different type of sector in market? So that if one shrinks up or, or tips down a little bit, that you're kind of okay in this area. That's why I've always done real estate businesses and an investment portfolio. If the stock market's down, it's typically not all of the things together, right? I have my I have two different businesses. I have rental income and investments and then a portfolio. And the reason that you do that is the more that you can diversify your investments, the safer you will be in any type of economic downturn, whether it's the country or your own personal economy. That is so good. And I love how you touch on like the personal finance aspect. I mean, we just had Montel Jordan on and he was talking about in his session, he was saying, 
hey, you know, if, if you can have the best business in the world, but if the other things in your life are kind of like chaotic or a, a car fire or anything like that, it's going to like bleed into your business. And so I love how you say like, you know, the finances in your business are directly like associated with the finances and personal life and having those investments can kind of help uh, with that regards. And I also thought it was very interesting that you uh, found that study to see that the stream of income was actually like four and kind of like tying those two things together mentioned in there. Were there anything that you kind of saw from really successful business owners in that study, or maybe even from your own life that like helped them to, you know, not only be wealthy, themselves, but ultimately run profitable businesses and what they do. Yeah. Well, that's why I love business so much because 75% of all the Forbes top 400 multi-billionaires, multi-millionaires, everybody that was on the list. And even when we went down and we were looking at the top, you know, 2%, 75% of them own businesses. So the number one thing, there's only a few ways that you can make more money as it relates to personal finance. You either earn more so you increase the amount of money. It's the same thing in business. You earn more money, whether you diversify additional income streams, you save more, meaning you get really tax strategy savvy and you understand how to save more. You also want to always make sure that you have an emergency fund saved for any, you know, any type of challenge, because like you said, what happens in our own lives often affects our business until we're at scale right? When we're at scale, it's a little bit different because we have depth in the organization. But when we're especially new or starting out, anything that happens to us personally or anything that helps us makes our eyes go off the ball, if you will, in the business tends to then drive down sales. So it's really important to make sure that you have a lot of those things handled. And as far as the state of the union, what I'd really be looking for is is signs, is data. Because we oftentimes like business owners, we get in our own head but feelings are not facts. So you always want to make sure that, okay, I'm feeling like this recession is coming. I'm feel, But do your numbers actually show any data that that's where you're headed? Because otherwise it may be a situation where you go all in this time of this season right now that's going on and you go all in and you just diversify your marketing messaging to kind of, you kind of want to think of anybody that's going into an economic downturn. They're looking more for a life raft than to cruise on a yacht. Right. Mm -hmm. So your messaging will shift the way that you talk to your audience will shift, because even if it happens or not, this is what we're being fed into our mind that is going to happen. And a lot of the signs, there are a lot of experts that say it can and there are a lot of experts that say it's not going to. So it, it kind of just depends on what you want to focus on. But the important thing is just to remember that there's always, always opportunity and what you do now will set you up to be far more successful through it. So good. So good. And I, I love how in your messaging, you're always talking about like recession being more of like an opportunity than like an, an, like an area to be scared of. Right. And it can be scary, especially if you're tuning into the news and kind of just seeing all like the clickbait, like you mentioned before. And I know that there's a lot of people tuning in who have employees on their team, right? They have team members and everything like that. And, you know, let's just say for a business owner who is like all in on the mindset, like they have their numbers down They're they're using the data, like you said, is there a way to kind of communicate the message to your team to help instill that mindset? Because, you know, sometimes employees are like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know, like, this is a scary time. Like, like there's layoffs in the news. And is there ways to kind of, you know, bring that mindset onto the team so that everybody kind of gels in that same way to, to raise the profitability of the business and also the morale as well? Yeah. So this is where leadership's really going to come in. This is where your leadership skills are going to be challenged and where, you know, there's, I always say there's seven principles um, of actual business success. And one of them is the principal, the owner, right? What are we going to do to, to deepen and develop our skills so that we can lead people through 
this great time. And if you don't first fix your own mindset and the way you view it, you're going to be uncongruent and inauthentic with your messaging to your employees. So you have to first really get crystal clear on how you feel about this and then be able to communicate that to your team. But everyone, again, they, they want, they want safety. They want security. It's one of the six human needs. So making sure that you can let them know, here are some of the proactive steps that we're taking as a company in case this happens the way it is. And you may have to do what we found, especially in 2008 and nine, we communicated far more frequently with our employees than we did typically because we wanted to give them. So if you do something like a once a month meeting, maybe it's something you wanna consider to do twice a month or every week. Or, you know, one of the things that uh, we did from the Marriott company was five minutes. The first five minutes of everybody's shift, we got everybody together. You can do this, whether it's on Zoom, you make it quick, you make it super productive, but you continually be in their ear so that you're leading the way that they're going to view this. If you view this as an opportunity, that's exactly the way your team's going to view it. And if you view it as it's something that's uncertain and you're scared, they're going to pick up on that energy as well. Oh, I I cannot tell you like how how much I just like first of all, agree with it, but love the fact of like your focus on, Hey, you got to change you first before you change your team and living by example is such a crucial thing. And then that point on communication, I mean, just, you know, always, you know, being able to tell them exactly what's going on and giving them that peace of mind, like through just being open and transparent, I think is so, so crucial. Now we're coming kind of the end of the session, Candy. I wish I could talk with you forever, hours, hours on end. Um, but one thing, you know, and it, it kind of relates to the book and kind of what we've been talking about today. I know you mentioned like getting a focus on profitability is really important, but when it comes to running a business, I'm curious, like on your take on this, is there a difference between profit and wealth when it comes to running a business? And I guess if there is a difference, what's that key to achieve, you know, a wealthy business, so to say? There is an absolute difference. I, I um, coming out of the you know, business world for so long and kind of coming more online and in social media, it, it like drives me crazy that I see people like, I have a seven figure business. You can have a seven figure business and make $25,000. <laughs> you can have a seven figure business and actually lose $500,000. Like it really means nothing without context. What's important is what you do with the profit. So building a seven figure business it may, or an eight figure or a nine figure company may not be what the person listening is even paying attention to. Maybe that's not what they want for their life, but it's what you do with the profits of that business. So let's say you have, you know, people always tote this. I have a seven figure business. Let's say that they net $250,000 of that seven figure million dollar business, which is a 25% profit margin, which in most companies, especially if they're not in the online space, if they have brick and mortar or they're offline, that's a pretty decent profit margin in most companies. So what are you going to do with that $250,000? That's how you create wealth. And there's six habits, very ordinary, basic things. Everyone sees and they hear what you, how you introduced me. But the truth of the matter is I grew up in a trailer in a really small town. I have no degrees. I'm probably the least educated person listening here. But what I did was I figured out how to live beneath my means, how to take my money and invest it into diversification. And if anyone listening here is like, I don't even know what any of those things mean. Where do I start? The very basic bare minimum that I believe everyone should have right now as a business owner is setting up a self-employed, depending if you have employees or not, but a self-employed 401k, a solo 401k, a SEP IRA, and max out your Roth IRA if you're eligible. So anyone making, I think it's like 132,000, it changes every year. Those are your very first two steps. Get with a financial planner. I don't, 
that's not me. Find one that's really great in the state that you're in, get a Roth IRA and get a retirement plan and start to live beneath your means. Here's the thing. This is a really quick tip to know if anyone's spending too much. If you cannot, if I tell you, take 20% of your earnings right now. So 20% of what your profit is at the end of the month, and I want you to invest it. And if your thought right now is, oh my gosh, I could never do that. I couldn't invest 20%. I have this, this, and this. That is the number one indicator that you're spending too much. You're overspending. Because if you're not paying yourself and building wealth first, you didn't create a business. You created a job that you need to work at for the rest of your life. So rather than continually trading time for money, you need to take profits from your business and invest them outside of your business into diversification, diversifying assets, Roth IRA, SEP retirement, real estate, stocks, basket stocks, um, all of those things. And then you can start to build wealth. Your business should just be a vehicle to print money so that you don't have to constantly trade time for it. And then you can set up a machine that'll print money even when you're not working so that you can then invest it and become wealthy. So good. So good, Candy. Like the, the amount of value that you just packed in 20 minutes is just absolutely incredible. And like I, I said, a lot and fast. <laughs> well, it's great. It's great. I mean, it's actionable and, and you're totally on the mark with all this. And uh, I'm just so excited to like read into your book a lot more. I know I'll be purchasing a copy too. And also too, uh, for our listeners, uh, we'll also be purchasing a copy and giving one away. So uh, if anyone wants a copy of Candy's book, when it goes live, feel free to drop in the comments what you're your biggest takeaway is from Candy's session here. And we'll uh, pick a, a winner at random and then you can email me. My email will be dropped in there and we'll send it out. But Candy, thank you so, so much for hopping on here today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. So excited for your book and uh, cannot wait to stay in touch. You are awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You can find Wealth Habits wherever books are sold. And we have a lot of free bonuses that are going along with purchases too. But I appreciate, you know, I love you guys at Trainio and love what you're doing. So hey to Chris and everyone on the team. You guys have been great. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. We're all big fans of you as well. So the pleasure is all ours. And thank you so much for making this happen, Candy. Thank you. See you awesome. Guys. Take care. Wow. Wasn't that just incredible, everybody? I mean, I even learned so much. I mean, it is uh, just the amount of knowledge, again, that was packed in 20 minutes there on finances, not just in the business, but also in your personal life is just absolutely gold. But I hope you're ready for some more because we're about to get even more value out of this next session. And we're going to be talking about everything that's in Trainwheels Wheelhouses, systems and processes. Are you all excited? If you're excited, let me know in the chat. I definitely want to know because I know that I'm pumped because now we are bringing on Connie S. Fall and the S is for systems. Connie is the founder and CEO of Entrepreneur Life Global, and her mission is to create sustainable businesses for women, minorities, and veterans through the implementation of systems. For over 15 years, Connie has helped over a thousand small businesses in the US scale and systemize their operations. She's also been honored by Dell by creating and developing the regional ambassador program, and she's even diversified her offerings and expanded into the federal sector, providing services for various agencies, such as the Departments of Veterans Affairs, US Department of Interior and Army National Guard, just to name a few. On top of all these impressive accomplishments, she is also our train, one of our trainual ambassadors, one of our top trainual certified consultants for 2022. And let me tell you, when it comes to systems, Connie is one of the best of the best. So today we're going to dive in with her. Connie, I see you on here. So great to see you, my friend. Welcome to Playbook 2022. Joe, I'm so happy to see you. Hey. Hey, hey, I'm so happy to see you too. And I think, you know, yesterday we had so many people tuning in. They're like, 
you know, I, I want to know like about systems and processes and learn to dive into it. So I think this session is going to be amazing. And as I said before, you know, you being one of the best in the business when it comes to that, I think it's so, so great. So let's just dive into it like right off the bat. When it comes to systems and processes, I mean, you've worked with thousands of small businesses. What are the biggest barriers that businesses have to getting started? And then how do you suggest to overcome that, right? Because there can be a lot of pushback when it comes to either documenting or systemizing. So I guess what are the tools that our business owners can really uh, put in their business to start getting systems rolling? So I think the biggest thing is that most people just don't even know what they don't know, right? So for them, most of us start saying, hey, I want to be a this, and I have all the processes and answers to make it, right? Most of us start off as a hobby, no problem. And then you start making money and then you have to hire people and then more people start coming in then you have to fire people. So I think it's the snowball effect that nobody starts off with that type of intent. It just grows into something that's more profitable and that's bigger and requires a bigger team than we ever realize, right? So I think the number one thing in order for us to get started is just to start writing things down. And I know it sounds very simple and I know it sounds very easy, but the first step is always just writing things down. Many of us have created businesses that literally came from nothing. So the lady before us, she was talking about coming from out of a trailer park. I think many people have more of a similar story than being raised into money. So we just kind of learn the stuff on the fly. So if we start documenting our processes early as we begin our business, instead of waiting until we're trying to hire and and it looks like we lost Connie on here. I don't know if the, the connection was a little spotty in here, but man, I was getting pretty excited about that. Um, I'm sure we'll bring her back in here, but man, I just love, just to recap that while we're bringing her back in here. I mean, I think it reiterates a lot of the stuff that Seth Godin mentioned okay. yesterday, right? No, no, no worries at all. So uh, basically all I said uh, in terms of like the question was like, where do we start uh, in terms of documenting uh, our processes or getting our system set up? So I think the place to start is by what creates the most impact and income in your business. Most people are just so excited about all of the things, every single part of their business. But if you choose one thing, one task, that's a repeatable task, can be documented and delegated is where you start. Does everything have to be done? Absolutely. Can everything be done all at once? So you choose by impact and income. And here's how I decide how each done. So if I look at impact, my goal is to be able to impact people that impact people, right? So if I'm able to impact those that either have large followings, those that um, are doing something really great in our communities, that allows me to impact millions of people without me having to directly impact them individually, right? So if I know that there's a task that creates the most impact income for our company, we're able to focus strictly on income generating tasks and documenting the processes for those tasks. And that's where we start. I love that so much, right? It's like, where's that biggest pain point or where's the thing that's really going to move the needle for you? Another thing that we kind of took away from some of the sessions yesterday was like, you know, 80% of the things or 80% uh, of the things in your business that move it forward are really going to be the 20% you should focus on or sorry, other way around. But anyways, uh, in regards to that, I love how it's just looking at the place in your business to get started and just get it rolling from there. Now, in terms of like must haves when it comes to systems and processes, right? Like, let's just say someone's like, I'm ready to get started. Are there anything in mind that you've seen really successful businesses in terms of must haves, what they need in their systems and processes or documentation that are really going to set up scalable systems for them? 
So one is we start in our company, we start organizational chart down, right? So most people are like, let's just get into writing SOPs. Most people can't even write those, right? So we start organizational chart down. And the reason why we do that is so that way we can focus on who you need on your team before you're focused on what the tasks are, right? So what happens is we just know that a bunch of tasks need to be done. And you are wearing a hundred different hats, right? You answer the phones, you're doing the billing, you're actually doing the work that you do, you're trying to get on Canva and create graphics. Like literally you're trying to do every single thing. But if you build out your org chart first, you're able to identify exactly what tasks need, what roles need to be filled. And then you can go and say, okay, these are the job descriptions that I need to create underneath that. And then you could say, okay, great. These are the processes that need to be developed underneath that. Then you can go down and say, these are the policies that support it. And then these are the workflows that we can create for it all to work together. So I think every single level starts org chart down. And I don't think many folks have realized the importance of org charts because we think of ourselves as small businesses, right? So as small businesses are considered anything under $30 million. That means if you make $29,999,999, you are considered a small business. Small business we're like, oh, it's, us. it's just me and my aunt and my uncle Gerald and one of my friends, and we're just doing everything that we can. But if you really recognize what your company needed, you'd be able to build out an org chart that allowed you to know exactly what tasks and roles that you needed for your company. Mm. So that's where we, where we like to start. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think it's so powerful, right? Because uh, it, it's one where, you know, people want to start documenting the process right away. But I've heard you say before, and it, it's it's something that's super powerful. It's like, if you don't have a vision of where you're going, it's kind of hard to like see the long-term view of the system that you're trying to set up. Now, I know with org charts too, when you talk about setting one up, right? You talk about not just the, the importance of setting up your current org or chart, but also an aspirational or future org chart, right? Tell us a little bit more about that and what that kind of looks like for someone who's looking, you know, at the five, 10 year long-term view of their business, you know, when they're starting to systemize and document everything that they do. So one, I'm all about not recreating the wheel. So if you know that you have a marketing agency, you need to do the research to find out what's the industry standard, right? What does it look like for the, the marketing company that you admire, that you absolutely love, and that you think is so amazing? How many people do they have on their team? How many people are working for them? Because in reality, we don't understand. Most of us may think, okay, great, it's 20 people. You may look and find out in the future, they actually have 75 people. They may have 100 people that are working literally day in and day out. And if your mindset can't even process thinking of five people, what's happening is you'll, you'll create something that's too small versus what you need to create. So what we're looking for when we bring our clients on is where are they looking to grow? Not where you are, but where are you looking to grow to, right? Because what happens is if you come in and you're like, oh, well, I only have these five people right here, your mindset gets locked there. Your mindset gets locked into thinking, oh my gosh, I just need these five people. No, you probably need 17 people because you have these five people working every single job and answering phones and sending out graphics and replying to emails when really they should just be focused on the one task that they should be responsible for. But again, if you don't understand or chart down what the roles are looking forward, you will have no understanding of where you're looking to grow the company. 
Mm, so good. So, so good. And it's a, it's a, I love the quote that you mentioned there. It's like, Hey, like, you know, you, you think you need five people, but you might need 15, especially like when you start to look at like all the different responsibilities and areas of the business and like having that mapped out clearly allows you to like plan for head plan ahead and really get the right documentation in place and kind of have that going forward. Now, sometimes like we hear all the time with, uh, with, with some small business owners, it's, it, it, it can be tough to kind of like delegate things out, right? Whether it's like the the process of delegating things out might just be a little clunky, or maybe, you know, some people don't want to let go of a, a certain thing that they really, really like to do or anything like that. How do you go about delegating in the most efficient way for businesses when they're implementing their systems and processes? So I think one of the scariest things is delegation. Most of us were raised to believe that we can do everything ourselves. So b- before we even get to the actual steps, we have to break down the mindset. And I know that that's like a really popular word, right? It was everybody's focused on mindset. When in reality, that's where it starts. Because if I can't get you to tell me um, the, the simple instructions on a task, chances are the bigger instructions you'll never let go of, right? You'll be so panicked about trying to share exactly how your business is run because you're afraid that somebody's going to steal your secret sauce. When in the reality is, when you look at large corporations, if you look at a KFC, what people don't realize is that KFC has all of their secret ingredients. They're making that in the kitchen. The, The chicken doesn't just come frozen all the time, right? So they're literally mixing in seasonings and you have kids running those companies, right? Doing the day-to-day operations. So those scary secrets that you're nervous to give out about your candle making company or your process company, those scary secrets that you're afraid to delegate are the ones that are going to be able to push your business forward because you're able to delegate and train somebody else to do it. So even though I know the, the, the delegation process is important, it's even more important to have your mindset prepared to say, I'm not doing this because I don't respect my company. I'm not doing this and sharing the secret that I feel like is going to give me anxiety. You're doing this because this is how you scale and grow your brand. Scaling and growing your brand starts with people, right? If you have an e-commerce company, you can go and throw all the ads behind it that you want to. That's wonderful. But when you're talking about service-based companies, like my company is, if I don't have more people, I can't serve more people. And if I can't serve more people, I cannot scale. I can grow, which my friend Madi is very specific about the difference between growth and scale. Growth is when you make more money, but your expenses go up. However, scaling is when you make more money, but your expenses level out. So if you're making more money and your expenses are high, I can make $100,000. But if my expenses are still 80, if I'm at a million, if my expenses are still quantified that, by that way, I'm still making the same amount of money. So if I'm not expanding my team, I'm not growing the company itself. So delegation is imperative because that allows you to bring more people onto your team, which in turn allows you to be able to serve more people. Mm, Yeah. And I like that you touched on the mindset piece of it, right? It's like getting your mindset around what delegation means to you. Like it doesn't mean giving away your secrets or does it mean like scaling your company? And emphasis on the the scale part being different than growth because you know we just heard from from Candy Valentino talk about something very similar. It's like, you know, if you're not really seeing the actual growth that is going into your business and really gabbing it on a scalable level, that's going to sustain some profits. It's it's going to be kind of tricky and tough. Now we talked about earlier in the beginning to kind of mesh some things together and get a little tactical into the nitty gritty, right? You mentioned that in order to delegate, we need to document things. And sometimes like with documentation SOPs it can get a little difficult or or you said like sometimes people don't know the best way to document. So if I'm a business owner right now and I'm saying, Hey, Connie, 
I have my sales process that I need to document here. What would you advise me to do in order to really craft an SOP that's able to really be in an effective system once I implement it? Well, of course, I'm going to say you need to log on a trainer because they already have amazing templates. <laughs> you are the best. Well, <laughs> <trainer>, right? <laughs> uh, but in, in addition to that, I like to simplify things because, again, I will be transparent and, you know, you'll see it on all of my social media that I've always struggled with ADHD. So knowing what steps are next are imperative to me not having an anxiety attack, right? So me being calm and being present is all surrounded about systems, my personal systems. When it comes to business, if I know what every single step is coming ahead of me, I feel less anxiety and I feel more prepared, right? So in order to take the the scariness out of the word systems. Oh my God, they said systems. What kind of system are you talking about? In order to remove that fear, all you're doing is creating a checklist of exactly how you want something done. What's step one? What's the first thing? What's the second thing? And when you put these things in order, it becomes an SOP. Now you can add all the beautiful jargon, the business jargon. You can make it sound fancy. You can do all of these wonderful things. And yes, Chad, that's exactly how we utilize it when we talk to our community. It is a recipe. So if you understand that step one, step two, step three is there, and you're like, eh, I don't need step two. I, I don't really need that. I'm going to go step one to step three. And then you miss it. You miss step two you're going to take whatever that process was that you were looking at. And my example I always use, let's take a, let's just make a cake, right? So the things that we remember that are really easy, we always think of flour, sugar, and butter, right? We think of vanilla. But then when you're also thinking about building an entire beautiful, yummy pound cake, you have, you'll forget that there's baking soda or baking powder. You forget the small things. And what if you put the wrong measurement in? So even if I have the right ingredient, but the wrong measurement, the cake is still going to come out wrong. So if I put every single thing, every single ingredient in, but I forget one, if I forget baking powder, the cake is going to be flat, right? So that one thing that's really small, and that's the smallest measurement of ingredients for baking a cake, but it also causes the cake to rise. So if I just forget that one little thing, I'm going to have a flat, disgusting cake. So the goal is to make sure that you documented every single process so well that somebody, anybody can come in and duplicate exactly what you've asked for them to do. So whether you're going to make the perfect cake or you're going to make the perfect process, they know every single step that goes into creating it. So for those of you guys that, especially in the startup space, if you're really not understanding what is step one, I want you to do an example. I do it with all of my clients. I make them write down every single step that it takes to go outside and start a car. Now, most of us, we do this every day. We go outside, we hop in the car, but you don't realize how many steps there are in between from where you're standing on the inside of the house to going outside and turning the ignition on the car. Let's just say there's probably a good 78 steps in between indoors to starting the car. And if in your mind, your first thing is, mm, you just walk outside and start it. That's how you create an improper process. Our goal is to create the perfect process. So that's an exercise that you guys can use because what ends up happening is we end up mistreating people. We end up firing VAs and thinking that they don't know what they're doing. And we just sidebar VAs are not magical unicorn. Shout out to my uh, partner, Stephanie Brinkley. She's very specific on making sure that people understand how you properly train and treat your virtual assistants because they're not unicorns. But you have all of these, except the, these rules that you think that they should already understand when in reality, common sense is not common. Systems are. So if you have the documentation right, you won't have to fire people. You can properly hire and train people so that way they can help move your business forward. 
Oh, I'm I'm so glad that you know we we ended on that that common sense is not systemization thing because I was going to ask you about that because when I first heard that and I was wearing headphones I think my headphones melted because that that comment was just so so fire like for real and so uh, I love that because I think you know we can always think like oh they know this is common sense but if we don't have it clearly documented all the time we might not bait the right cake we might not close the deal on the sale we might not be able to have the best customer experience in there so I love that you have that exercise in there too because when we we were in uh you know your 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 live event back in july you told uh, people you said hey like give me the instructions to walk to your car and people were leaving out the small details and you were kind of pointed out and it was such a great thing well connie uh, i'm excited to see you again in atlanta for uh for your next conference uh in october which i'm super excited about and thank you so much again for coming on and we persisted through the technical difficulties here the value is still amazing and connie you are incredible my friend thank you so much for this you're welcome, Joe. I'm here to be of service whenever I can. Hey, thanks for listening to Organized Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share it with anyone in your network that you think could benefit from this information. For episode show notes, podcast recaps, and tons of other small business news and inspiration, check out the manual. That's trainual.com backslash manual.